Hello. My name is Jim, and I'm really glad you're here. Really excited about this series. This is a last one in this series. The series is all about grace. Although it's the last in this series, we talk about grace is greater. Every week is about grace. Every day is about grace. So grace will continue, but in this series, this has been a great series, and I really have enjoyed it. I hope you have too. This is what we've been looking at, just in case this is your first day with us. Uh, the grace is God's plan to overcome your past, redeem your pain, and rewrite your story. All of us are in the middle of our story. We don't know exactly what the next page of the story is going to be. And I'm praying that today we'll start new stories of grace, that we start to see God rewriting our story even now. Uh, specifically, we're working on grace is greater than my circumstances. That's the topic for today. Grace is greater than my circumstances. Now, we've been working with this greater than, less than sign. And if you're into math, that makes perfect sense. And if you're uh, not into math, you get the little greater than, less than sign backwards and all that stuff. But in my life, uh, whether it's math or not math, it's easy to get that backwards, the greater than, less than sign, especially as it relates to piled up circumstances that are all negative and we start to think, man, this is really, really heavy. And so with that idea, the focus shifts a little bit from math to a different metaphor. God's grace outweighs, it outweighs any set of circumstances. So to get at this a little bit, here's a visual for you. That's not math. The visual is grace outweighs all of the heaviness of the piled up circumstances of your life. Now, I believe this, but if you're like me, even if you believe it, here's what we slip into. We believe it, but then an incongruity slips into our life where we believe it in our head, but as the circumstance is a negative thing that hits us, maybe it surprises us and we kind of react to it, we're irritated by the surprise. Maybe it blocks a goal and we get angry at the goal that's been blocked. Maybe the circumstance hits us really heavy and we're devastated. We slip into a darkness, a depression. Uh, we can just really, really struggle as it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And so even though I might believe it, what I start acting like, now here's the grandpa in me that comes out, I'm sorry. Uh, I start acting like Eeyore instead of Tigger. You know, it's like, uh, and, I, and, and, I, and maybe you're not going to pick Eeyore or Tigger. And maybe you see all those different characters in your life coming through on the days where your emotions are okay and the days where your emotions are not so okay. We're talking about something that goes way beyond just what you are feeling emotionally on any given day. What we're talking about today is that grace is greater. And usually when we talk about this kind of thing, here's where we who are believers in grace. Now just in case this is kind of new concept to you, grace is not something you can achieve. Grace is not something you work into and then get it somehow. Grace by the very word itself is a gift. It's something you have to decide to receive. And so we who've grown up believing that God is a gracious God, God is a loving God, and we see the story of how he sent his son, he loves us so much, he sent his son for us, a lot of us feel like we have received grace in the past, and we have been forgiven and we kind of see that continuing in our story, and we're so grateful because we're looking forward to being saved in our future. 
And we think of grace in those terms. Good, I'm good. My guilt has been forgiven. And my future is secure. But then when it comes right down to every day, and today's day, when our circumstances pile up in this heaviness, we forget that grace is greater today. And then we mope. We're kind of grumpy. We're complaining. There's an incongruity in the face, incongruity in my emotional stance, incongruity in my thought life. I say I believe that grace is greater, but then there's incongruity even in the way I act, my attitude, my words, and it's like I don't really believe it because I have grace out there and grace out here, but in today, I haven't tapped into the grace that's greater. And what I want us to get to is the tapping into grace today where I receive today a peace that is bigger than all of that weight of circumstance. Where all of that sadness and all of that hurt and all of that pain of the heaviness of our circumstances, grace is greater than that. We tap into, and instead of feeling angry at God, we feel his embrace. We feel his tears. We feel him holding us and saying, I'm so sorry that you're hurting right now. Here's grace for you. I'm giving you everything you need. I'm giving you the guidance you need. I am here for you. I will walk with you. I'm writing your story. Your story's gonna end well. Let's write your story together. I've got grace for you today. That, my friends, is a tapping into grace that is so beyond natural. It is supernatural. We can't just, okay, I will be happy today. I hate everything about what you've done in my life, but you're good. It's like, no, 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 no. This is supernatural stuff that happens when we figure out how to literally tap into a resource that's beyond us and we receive it. Anybody interested in hearing more about how we tap in? Okay, here we go. We're going to start with a really hard statement. It's tough, it's deep, but not hard to understand. And here's the statement, and we'll go with point number one. If you write it down, you can write it down. Grace changes my native language. My native language is Eeyore. My native language is complaint. My native language is grumbling. My native language in this broken, messed up world where bad stuff keeps coming at me is uh, anger, perhaps, depression, irritation. It's negative. But God, in his grace, when we tap in, changes our native language. And here's what he changes it to. We read in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, one statement. That big word Thessalonians is an interesting one. All that means is that Paul wrote to a, a kind of a baby church, brand new church with a lot of baby Christians learning how to live out this life of Jesus. And Paul wrote to them at Thessalonica. And so these Thessalonians at Thessalonica hear this from Paul. Give thanks in all your circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is deep. 
And this is tough, but it's not hard to understand. You know, as a youth pastor, I would have a lot of kids, you know, they're approaching their senior year and trying to figure out what God's will is for them, and they would ask me, what is God's will for me? It's like, a lot of times it's not that hard. We read this, and it says exactly what God's will is for us. Would you see it? What is God's will? God's will for you today is what to? Oh, let's do better than that. God's will for you today is to? Okay, so it's not hard to understand. It's hard to do. How do you shift in your native language from angst and from anger and from irritation and frustration with the stuff that's coming at you, how do you shift where you literally obey this and say, give that? It's certainly not like this. It's like, okay, God, thank you. I can't stand what you just did to me. I can't stand what you allowed into my life. I hate this, but you say thank you, so thank you. It's like, no. We're talking about a shift inside where the goodness of God, the provision of God, that he's given you all that you need, every provision, all your guidance, all your peace, all the love, all his presence, that he gives you everything you need right now, and you, instead of going introspective, my life stinks, it's so awful, there's this and this and that, and it just piles up and it's really, really heavy, your focus turns to him and what he has done. I can't believe you love me. I can't believe you promised you'll walk with me. I can't believe, I, I do believe it. I do believe that you're here for me. And then as you do believe it, you can respond with a new language of thanks. That's God's will for you. That's God's will for you today. Regardless of how heavy this thing is that you're going through right now. But let's go a little bit deeper because there's a hidden desire of God which is actually his will for every one of us hidden in this verse. But we miss it because we just kind of don't see it. In the last three words of this verse, do you see it? Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In another place in scripture, Peter writes that God desires that no man should perish. Not any man, not any woman, not any boy, not any child, not any girl. That no man should perish. That every single one of us would be given the opportunity to merge our lives with Christ so that in Christ and Christ in us, we can live in this supernatural realm of a grace that comes to us because of what Christ has done. Even though that's God's desire and it's God's will, you can block it. You can decide, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And yet he wants so desperately to be a part of your life, to do life with you, and that when you step across that line and say, I thank you for what you've done, Jesus, his forgiveness covers over you from the cross, his resurrection covers over you with life, and then because of his forgiveness and because of what he's done and because of the price he paid, you can receive the Holy Spirit of God entering into your life, bringing supernatural resources, tapping into grace for today. And he begins to rewrite our story. And those stories affect other stories. And then we read in Scripture that those stories will be told in ages to come 
Your story is going to be told by angels and other believers for eternity as it all brings glory to the grace of God as our stories are being rewritten. So I'm praying that today begins to be your story rewritten. We're from Eeyore. <laughs> it's Tigger. And, and, and there's joy, and it's not trumped up. It, it's real because God's goodness is coming at you, carrying this weight, rewriting what's taking place, and you tap into some resources you never knew you had. We're going to slow this down a little bit and talk about three of the words right in this sentence. And the first one, if you want to write it down, point A is the word in. It's a little preposition, but it's so important that you understand that it's this preposition and not another preposition. And a lot of people get this wrong. And so in the Thessalonians verse, let's take a look at it. Give thanks in all circumstances. It does not say give thanks for all circumstances. Oh, believer, don't be so passive in life that you think everything that's happening is directly by the hand of God. No, God looks at this world and says, this is a broken world. That thing you're experiencing, I'm not asking you to call it good. It is a bad thing. I'm weeping with you. It's a broken world. I sent my son to restore the brokenness. I sent my son to help you. And we're not done yet. We're not done with you. We're not done with the world. We're in a restoring process and we're still moving along, but I'll give you everything you need. You need to give thanks in it. Don't give thanks for it because it may be bad. That's really important for us to get a hold of. The second little word is the word all. Give thanks in all circumstances. There's the verse. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this is only possible by grace. If I just tell you, come on, guys, come on, give thanks, come on, give thanks, it's just like, you know, trying to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, trying to make yourself say something you don't have rearranged in you supernaturally. You're still not responding to the goodness of God. You're just trying to trump it up, make it happen through your choices. No, 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 I'm talking about face away from the problem, face away from the introspective, woe is me, face to a good God, and now as you're focused on the goodness and the bigness of God, a new solid truth becomes something that is supernatural, that helps you to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, just in case you begin to think that Paul is really naive. There's no way. He has not seen my life. I cannot give thanks right now because look at my stuff. Look at all my stuff. We're going to take a look at all Paul's stuff. He doesn't really list it all, but in one place in 2 Corinthians 11, he lists off a huge pile of stuff about his life. He says, Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That's a weird sentence, but in the Old Testament... There was a religious law for blasphemers or people that did things really, really bad. They would take a whip and they could whip their backs to punish. But there was a protective law that said you make sure you never whip anybody more than 40 times. So the Jews had the habit of counting and making sure they stopped at 39 just in case of miscount. You know, never 40, never over 40. So they called it 39 lashes, which is... The 40 lashes minus one. Paul experienced this five 
times. And it wasn't because he was bad. It's because he was a follower of Jesus. Now, in the Jewish day, it was different. In the Roman day, the whipping was a flogging with the cat of nine tails. Jesus was flogged with nine uh, strands at the end of the whip with bone and shards of metal that ripped flesh off of the back of Jesus, exposing even the ribs. And so the reason for the limitation, of course, is you'll kill if you keep going. So this is pretty, pretty, I'd say that's heavy. That's a pretty bad circumstance. Five times, he keeps going. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. He didn't say it, but one of those times he was left for dead. And some scholars even think he was killed, but God raised him. Um, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. And you might be thinking, man, bad luck. This isn't luck. This was what happened because he was setting his course to do the will of God in a world of opposition to the gospel. In the world of opposition, they were resisting him with this kind of uh, killing hate. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Did you get the idea that he's in danger? constantly. And then he says, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. So if we just compare our circumstances with his, and by the way, he was eventually killed for his obedience. And it's really hard when we're doing the right thing to be hurt for doing the right thing. We kind of inside, we go, right? I'm right, I'm doing good thing. I'm trying to be nice to you, and you do this. And we just, Arr. well, multiply that out by Paul's heavy list, and you could think he could be in a bad mood. <laughs> but he's the guy that says, rejoice always. He's the guy that says, give thanks in all circumstances. And he literally does it. It's like, okay, we've got to figure out, what is it that makes him tick? And that's precisely what those in the dungeons were thinking when Paul and Silas, they were whipped on their backs, they were thrown down, down into a lower dungeon in Philippi, and they had their hands in the stocks, and their backs were bleeding, and you know, you could just think, bleeding, it's itches, itches, I can't even do anything about it. You could just start to complain, right? Eeyore the day out. Oh, this, is really, this is really bad. This is bad stuff. But here's what they do. They start to sing now, I don't know what they sung, but let's just pretend. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Everybody else in the dungeon go, what are they doing? Are these guys nuts? They're cracked. And they keep singing. And of course, these guys are really off their rocker. They're really crazy until earthquake, they're released. And now instead of thinking they're cracked, it's like, what do these guys have? Even the jailer goes, oh, 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 help me here. What is it about you? And it's not about them. They've tapped into grace that is greater. So as you're comparing your list to Paul's, maybe yours is worse. That's not the point. Grace is 
greater. See on your outline is circumstances. So you change your native language to thanks, to gratitude, from complaint and angst and depression and anger to thanks. This is how you tap in. Tap into gratitude for the bigness of God. And here's what he says in Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, don't get freaked out by this, but I'm about to tell you something that some of you will get freaked out in. Okay, give thanks in all circumstances. You can cross out the word circumstances because it's not in the original. But you want to fill in something because it just says give thanks in all. Give thanks in every. Give thanks in everything. Give thanks in all things. And we want to fill in all what? It doesn't matter always. All, every. Give thanks in it all. So, I don't know what your load is, what just hit you, what you're going through. There's a grace that we can tap into that makes all the difference, and you can give thanks today. In fact, it's God's will that you do. Point number two, grace changes my interpretation of my circumstances. Grace changes my interpretation of my circumstances. See, you didn't get angry because you were just given a bad circumstance. You didn't get angry because somebody just blocked your goal. You didn't get angry because somebody just irritated you. Those are just circumstances. Your circumstances is not what's making you angry, depressed, or sad. It's your interpretation of those circumstances that you're reacting to. What I just said is huge. Every single one of us is a human being. We are reflective beings that think about our situation. We interpret our situation. We try to figure out why it's happening, what is happening, what does it mean. We are meaning makers. And we are not very good at coming up with the correct interpretation about the meaning of the events that are taking place. We need a solid truth based on God's truth to make interpretations about what is happening with me right now and why is God allowing it? Instead of going, God, you must not love me, interpretation, to go, God, you love me. I don't understand, but you love me. Thank you for loving me, walking with me, giving me the grace I need for this. Interpretation is huge. And here is an example of Paul's interpretation. It's in the same book where you had the whole list. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now the scale, you can see it. He's calling all this stuff that was so heavy in his life, light and momentary. He's saying, hey, don't sweat the small stuff. What? You just called being flogged nearly to death and being stoned and killed and, 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 and thrown in jail and actually being killed for your faith? You're calling that small stuff? Yeah, he says, don't sweat the small stuff because all of that is small stuff because God and grace is the big stuff. God takes all of your tough stuff, all of your small stuff, and makes it into good stuff because he's rewriting your story. If you have the right interpretation, I've not been abandoned. I'm still loved. He's in a process with me. He's in process with the whole world. He cries over the world that's broken. He cries over the diseases that are ravaging. He, he is making a difference, and he can rewrite your story. And so to get at this, I thought the best way, maybe a best way, a way was to help us to see through somebody else's experience because sometimes we can't get it with our own and all of a sudden it's like, really? 
And we sort of got it with Paul a little bit here, but here's a modern-day example. And this guy's name is Nick Vujicic. It's a Serbian pronunciation of his name. Do you notice he has no arms, no legs? He was born that way. Born with no arms and no legs, and he has written so many books now, and he has been talking all over the globe. He talks about his ridiculously good life. Everybody looks up like, what? I have a ridiculously good life. And you listen to him, he's like bubbly. He's like Tigger. And he is just excited about life, excited about what God is doing. And so I just want to read from his devotional uh, his own words. When I'm asked how I can claim a ridiculously good life when I have no arms or legs, people assume I'm suffering from what I lack. They inspect my body and wonder how I could possibly give my life to God who allowed me to be born without limbs. Others have attempted to soothe me by saying that God has all the answers and then when I'm in heaven, I will find out his intentions. Instead, I choose to live by what God, what the Bible says, which is that God is the answer today, yesterday, and always. When people read about my life, or witness me living it, they are prone to congratulate me for being victorious over my disabilities. I tell them that my victory came in surrender. It comes every day when I acknowledge that I can't do this on my own, so I say to God, I give it to you. Once I yielded, the Lord took my pain and turned it into something good. He gave my life meaning when no one and nothing else could provide it. And if God can take someone like me, someone without arms and legs, and use me as his hands and his feet, he can use anybody. It's not about ability. The only thing God needs from you is a willing heart. So let's finish today with this statement. Grace is available in all circumstances, so that is why we can be thankful in all circumstances. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come to the prayer team area to the right of the stage. And we're going to be praying a prayer out loud. If something has shifted in your heart where you felt heavy, but you recognize that you're being asked to give thanks anyway, to change the stance and attitude and incongruity of your life, to tap into the bigness and goodness of God by giving thanks to him, then you can pray this prayer. I wrote it carefully so that maybe you're not a believer yet it actually states statements about stepping into belief in a god who gives you grace so if you're willing and bold pray this prayer pray it out loud if you're not yet ready for that you don't have to pray it but i think there's power in making these statements in a confession type of prayer would you join me in praying this out loud dear god you revealed to us that all the grace I need is free for the asking in Christ Jesus. Well then, I'm asking. Lord Jesus, I need that great grace you paid for at such a tremendous price. I need the victory of your sacrifice that purifies me. I need the victory of your resurrection that gives me life. I need grace today. My circumstances seem heavy and out of my control, but you are bigger. I am weak, but you are strong. Clearly, it is your will for me that I give thanks today, even in my circumstances. You have turned my heart to want to give you thanks even now. I need your grace for this. 
I thank you for your love, power, and presence. I need you. You are worthy of my thanks and all my trust. In Christ Jesus, I come to you. And in Christ Jesus, I pray, amen. Amen? Okay, here's the exciting part. I've been spending four weeks talking about the what, the what, the what. Grace is greater. Grace is this. Grace is that. I've been describing it to you, but I haven't really spent a lot of time on the how. I just kind of give you the how a little bit in this prayer. The next series is all about how. The next series I'm calling Prayer Challenge, and I'm going to give you some very specific prayers and very specific things to enter into and tap into grace on a regular basis, to tap into this bigness of grace, to live out the how of what it means to live out grace every day. So I hope you'll be back next week.